Thanks for engaging with the Open Life Talks, whether you're on the Open Life Church app or you're listening through iTunes. You know, we know that life can be overwhelming, but we found that true life and peace of mind can come from a growing relationship with Jesus. So thanks for taking the time to listen or watch today's talk. You know, this is part of our James Summer Series, and so we are walking through the book of James verse by verse. We also have some additional resources that we want to put in your hands. Go to any app store, download the Open Life Church app, then from the front, front page, make sure you click on the button open daily. And we have some cool daily devotionals that we want you to read along according to each week that you're listening to or part of. So we encourage you to do that. Here is today's talk. Well, we're in James 3, verse 13 through 18 today. So you can go ahead and jump there on the screen and, and read along with me. It says, if you are wise and understanding, or if you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good work with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you're bitterly jealous and there's selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying, for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly and spiritual and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. I don't know if you've ever just met someone and you initially thought, man, I connect with this person. You know, I'm not talking necessarily that they read and studied and memorized a book like How to Win Friends and Influence People. It's just there's something about the person. You're just like, I resonate. Like, we are similar, right? And you connect. There's like a, a similar vibe. Maybe it's personality driven. Maybe you were wearing the same clothes or you had some same interests and you discover that right away. But you're just like... We are the same people. This is awesome. I connect with this person. And the opposite is true, right? Sometimes you meet someone and instantly you're like, oh boy, right? Uh, maybe you call them extra grace required or, uh, you know, the people come up with different labels for somebody you don't naturally hit it off with. You're like, I am going to love this person. I could care for this person. I can serve this person. But we're probably not going to be friends even if they want to be friends. You know, that, that situation. Am I the only one that's actually allowed that thought to carry itself out in my head? Well, that's my own evilness, right? <laughs> like, Lord, discipline me. But the reality is we do naturally resonate with people based off interest or based off the things. We have like a similar connection or vibe. And James is building a case within these six verses that humility and all the qualities that come out of this humble godly wisdom are this flavor of our faith basically that makes people attracted to Jesus. Our big idea is humility is the flavor of Jesus. And really it's, it's James' big idea written right there 
in verse 1. It's this, it's this culture that comes through that either makes it clear that we're followers of Jesus or confuses people because we've told them we're a follower of Jesus but aren't living out that flavor they expect, right? And we all have met those individuals. We'll talk about that here. Um, this week, Apple became the first publicly traded company to cross over $1 trillion mark. Did you hear about that? We're going to just, I'm going to write them, see if they'll tithe the open life on that, but I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, if they'll give us just a 10% cut, that's all. That's all we're asking. Spend a little of it. Come on, guys, be generous. Um, but they, just looking at that, what is it that got them there? I mean, if you go back and look, I think Dana read a, read a stat this week that she was sharing. She said, if you put 10, this, I always hate hearing these things because I'm like, frustrated, but if you put $10,000 in Apple stock in 1997, which I'm hoping some of you did, um, then you know now, if you check your records, that it's well worth over $2 million today. It's just to watch the compound interest that's happened on that, and uh, I unfortunately did not have the opportunity to invest $10,000 into that. I probably did have the opportunity, but I did not take it, nor did I have the $10,000 to invest in it back in that day. But what made them successful? What made them just, like, become this company? It's their culture, right? It's their brand. It's the flavor of their company. It's the fact that they made this, all their devices intuitive and simple and across the board. You can look at something and say, that's an Apple product, right? Or maybe you'll look at it and go, that's Apple, right? And somebody will say no, and you'll go, you're soon going to be sued by their lawyers. It's going to happen because they watch to make sure their culture is pure. They created this thing called an unboxing experience. And now other companies have copied that. This, this moment where it's like I get this product that I paid probably way too much for. They're worth $1 trillion now, right? So there is a profit margin. And, and you unpack how they really did a great job with this. And you're looking at this, this culture of simple, clean, intuitive, natural, creative, they have a flavor. Well, those who follow Jesus, Jesus' people have this humility about them that rises up from this pure spring, as we talked about last week, right, within us. And people can observe and be inspired and choose ultimately to pursue Jesus because of this humility we carry in our life as followers of Jesus. Contrast that, if we're proclaiming we follow Jesus, we can really confuse people if we're full of selfish ambition and jealousy and all these characteristics that are based off of wisdom that's not from God. And so this, James really is trying to clear up the culture of Christianity, of followers of Jesus in his day. And this, this life we live has a way of overwhelming us. And we can choose different directions and wisdoms to pursue. But we have this way of accessing true life, right? Through the gospel, through a growing relationship with Jesus that will bring us into this place of, of peace of mind and, and peacemaking. James calls this life an honorable life right at the get-go. 
So what is this honorable life? You could make this honorable life into an equation, I think. And, and we were brainstorming around what the big idea was for this talk. And, and we had about 10 of them. Uh, and one of them was just this equation. Because in, in the first verse he says, if we're wise and understand God's ways, well, in our language, wise and understand God's ways, we would say a growing relationship with Jesus, right? But another way we often say growing in a relationship with Jesus is true life. Because Jesus says he is the way, the truth, and the life, right? And so how do we get to true life? Does our conduct prove that we have this true life? One of the commentaries, a handbook uh, to the letter of James that I was reading says this. It's, it's incredible. It says, the word life is not the usual word for life. It refers not so much to private and inner life, but to life in relation to others as shown in conduct. It is a favorite word in First Peter, referring to the whole manner and style of Christian living intended to be a witness to non-believers. So our conduct, our life, this true life we're living, we have this opportunity to share the flavor of Jesus with the world around us, and they can, in turn, decide to pursue Jesus because of it. Thought one of two, simple talk today. True life is proven by action with humility. Action with humility. It's not enough just to say humility within or to say, man, that person really, I can tell they're a humble person. Humility within. We must conduct ourselves with humility. It's a powerful thought. Like the things that we do, we must do them in a humble manner. Maybe this is something that draws us to Bob Goff. If you're a guest with us today, we have a, a gift for you. It's a book called Love Does. And we handed out during a series earlier this year, his second book. Um, and, and the reason I resonate with his writings, I think, is because he has, a great, he has a great way of loving everybody. And he loves them in a humble way, and an adventurous way, an extravagant way. He goes beyond, man, just be humble this week. If you have an opportunity to be second in line, let the person go before you, right? It's like, you could do that. Or if you have the opportunity to open a door, open a door. You know, not kind of a manner type of humility. But he goes beyond that, and he's like, oh, I'm at work during the day. You want to camp out in my car? I'll leave the doors unlocked, right? And you're just like, what? You know? Um, you, you read through his stories and the things. Oh, you want to have a party in my backyard? Sure. Here's, have a party in my backyard, and I'm going to make it even better. These whimsical ideas of love that he carries out and follows to an end are so inspiring. And I think when you look at the way he does them and the way he shares these stories in his writings... He doesn't do them in a way that's like, look at me, I was just humble. It just blows your mind that somebody would be that generous, and yet it's consistent over and over again. How can we live out that kind? If we read enough stories, it'll inspire us, right? I think Jesus, it exemplified this and it's described of how Jesus was humble, right? In Philippians 2 1 through 5, it says, Is there any encouragement for belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the Spirit? 
Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. He goes on to say in verse 3, Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And he goes on to explain how Jesus never considered himself of crazy reputation compared to others. He never played the I'm the son of God card. All the way obedience to the cross. He gave his, his body for us and his blood for us. He shed his blood as a sacrifice for our sins as we'll celebrate at the end in remembrance through communion. I look at this and I'm challenged to have the same attitude as Christ in the area of humility. I don't think Jesus would have been clamoring for a seat of honor in a room. He would have been serving those who weren't able to get tickets and make it in. Jesus would have been the guy that is seeking and saving the forgotten and the lost, those who feel invisible, those who would not be able to afford their way, like he was bent towards that crowd. When we humble ourselves and elevate others before us, as is challenged there in Philippians, something goes crazy inside our spirit that just feels right, doesn't it? I mean, we know when we do that. If you've done that and you're like, that felt really good to serve. That felt really good to invest into someone else's life and see them win. It's just a turning point in our maturity of faith that it feels better to watch somebody else succeed. I don't know, that coaching role, I love that. I love seeing somebody make right choices and, and, and excel. And it just illuminates to the world around us when we live that way. How pure and honorable and loving God is. And so if we want to genuinely and purely share Jesus, all we need to do is show actions connected with humility. It's like this art that God is creating through us to the world around us, right? Whether it's to our family or our neighbors, co-workers, classmates, the person on the freeway that just cut you off. How merciful will you be, <laughs> right, to them? Uh, how humble. A person in front of you in line, you can, it is honorable to, you know, don't race to be first. If both of you go through the door, let them take that. It's not going to take that much longer. They have like the work order. Yeah, I have 20 drinks I'm going to order. You're like, oh, shoot, right? Pastor Thad told me to do this. I'm going to get him back. I look here and I go, I told the youth a couple weeks ago when I had an opportunity to share on a Wednesday in July that I have this little project that I felt challenged by God to do. And uh, it was, not, I didn't plan it, it just happened because of an occurrence that I shared a few weeks ago, but the, uh, that whenever I see and, and I'm walking past someone who's homeless and if they're like asking for help or whatever, I'll stop and I just, I want to do two things for sure. I want to introduce myself by name and I want to get their name. Because so often they feel invisible. And it was like an instantaneous like challenge, I guess you would say, when I was walking into a McDonald's here in town. 
and somebody was asking for a meal on the way in, and they were sitting there on the curb, and I was just like, this, I remember watching a video that talked about how homeless individuals feel invisible. And it, just the power of even sharing your name and getting theirs is just healing and, and helpful for them to be identified as a human being and not just someone to be ignored or a bother to society and just these different things. So, so I've taken it the opportunity. It's only happened twice, but I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm going to introduce myself to somebody and see how they are. And if I have means to help, I'll help. Um, and you just go, it's an interesting, it's an interesting process. And I haven't done that so that I could say, look at me. I actually gave them a meal when they were asking for it. But, you know, I don't want to brag. Just being humble about it. You know, that doesn't work, right? But the reality is, God might speak something to you about a neighbor or about a coworker going through something that they've shared or someone who lost a loved one and maybe you just want to leave flowers on their porch totally anonymously or something. I don't know what God might inspire us to do in here, but what if we could humble ourselves and look at the needs of others and go, I'm going to make a difference in that person's life today. I could ignore them. But what could I do that Jesus would do today? James 1, 5. I feel like James, as we're getting deeper into it, we're like halfway through, right? Uh, repeats himself over and over again. And you hear it when you go back and cross-reference some of the things we've already talked about in this series. If you need wisdom, it says in James 1, 5, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Thought 2 humility is found in godly wisdom. The rest of James is contrasting earthly or, or yeah, earthly wisdom and godly wisdom. And he contrasts it by just like calling out the qualities of it. So this is really plain and easy to read for ourselves and grasp, but let's unpack it just a little. This earthly wisdom is going about things in a way we can understand or maybe get scripted from a book, right? We don't need the Holy Spirit for earthly wisdom. We don't necessarily need the Bible for earthly wisdom. We just need a self-help book. And we can just do what that says. And we have earthly wisdom at that point. Like we can make a smart choice. We can make improvements to the world around us. We can be a great citizen with earthly wisdom. And a great person with honors and, and, and well-known and great rapport. But there's something about godly wisdom that James wants to elevate. And he also wants to tear down some of these challenges with earthly wisdom. Godly wisdom, though, takes this relationship with Jesus that gives us access to the Holy Spirit now in our context and I think sometimes earthly wisdom is even living out yesterday's godly wisdom. Like yesterday's insights as to what God was speaking. If we're trying to put into exact copy practice of that, we may be in the wrong context now. And we have to use this godly wisdom. Oh, how do I, how do I yield to this issue in culture today? Because back here... This is how they were handling it. But I'm going to use godly wisdom to love this person. 
it's a hard wire to, to walk this tight rope. Earthly wisdom, the way we know is we check our fruit, right? And it starts to unpack what the fruit of earthly wisdom looks like. If I'm living out old wisdom or earthly wisdom, it will look like bitter jealousy. Wow. Not just jealousy. He could have said jealousy, right? But bitter jealousy. Jealousy that we don't let go of. It's a bitterness. It stings. It leaves an aftertaste. It sticks with. You know that um, it's that, that feeling of, well, that wasn't fair. Don't we live in the world of fair today? Everybody gets a trophy. It's fair. I think we live in this world that cries fair. It's horrible. I tell our kids, life's not fair. <laughs> you know. Then they're like, but. And, uh, or else, I love the line one of the leadership coaches uses all the time. Andy Stanley says, fair's not in the Bible. I'm <laughs> like, that's awesome. I'm going to use that sometime. I have, and it still doesn't work. But anyway, you know, just the reality. Hey, kids, fair's not in the Bible. I'm going to go do a study. I actually don't have any kids that talk like that, but it's pretty fun to try to imitate. Uh, I really think, though, that we see this a lot, and it breeds jealousy. If we literally think life is fair, and we try to live by the fair metric we got treated, or we're treated, <laughs> we're teaching our kids, then uh, it'll break down. Because we're not always going to have the same car as our neighbor, or the same house as our friend, or the same vacationing, or the same sports access, or the same, right? Life really, it isn't fair. There's not equality in all those things. And, we're, and, and how are we going to teach that? And, and if we're using the wisdom that says it's always going to be fair, we're going to be really bitter. We're going to gossip about people because we're going to accuse them of things just because we don't have what they have. And, uh, and then it's going to lead to selfish ambition, which is the next thing he lists. It's the opposite of jealousy, right? Because it, it's, it's no longer longing to be fair. It's like, no, I want more than them now. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do anything to cut them down to be better. Selfish ambition. Oh, I know there was only one, and I got the one. That's tough. It's making sure... We stay on top by hurting others, and that's where it leads to boasting, lying. And he connects all these dots with some strong adjectives. Evil, darkness, right? It's like demonic. The next time we find ourselves bragging, what if in the back of our head we just hear demonic, oh, shoot, you know? Because it's there. The enemy's always looking for a foothold in our life. And when we open it through deceit or boasting, can get ugly. What about godly wisdom? So godly wisdom is, first of all, it's this wisdom from the Holy Spirit. It's like pure from God, right? It's most of all pure. It's pure meaning without mixture. So it's not, yeah, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get some of the Bible knowledge and then I'm going to get the self-help books, and, and then I'm going to use this knowledge. For, I'm going to mix them all together, and then I have godly wisdom. What if you just, what if you grab a hold of God in prayer and by reading the Bible and by 
connecting with others following Jesus and figure out, yeah, this is, this is purely what God is leading us to do. That's challenging. Pure wisdom, godly wisdom. It says it's peace-loving. In other words, oftentimes if you're peace-loving, you can go back and listen to the Living at Peace series, but if you're peace-loving, you're going to take second every once in a while. You're going to go, no, you go ahead. I'm going to value peace here more than my selfish ambition. It's always gentle. When we feel ourselves welling up and we're about not to be gentle, we can realize we're listening to the wrong wisdom. It's yielding. And I think I'm going to camp here and, and land. Yielding is a challenging thought to me. When I read that this week and started looking at it, I'm like, think of when you're yielding into traffic. It's one of the hardest things having kids that... You're teaching how to drive on a freeway. The first time you yield onto a freeway with somebody with a permit sitting next to you and control the vehicle, it's terrifying um, and very life-endangering, uh, found out. So you're, you're scared to death, and you're like wanting another wheel and brake and gas, and I'm an aggressive driver. Dana's a cautious driver. You mix that with coaching coming in both ears of the driver. It's awesome. It's a lot of fun. So yielding is not easy. And it's not easy to do in culture either. And I think a lot of people, a lot of Christians, a lot of uh, conservative or evangelical Christians or whatever title you want to give can get really ticked at the thought of yielding. Because they just want to black and white everything. But how do we yield with the world around us to where we're bringing them faith right while we're traveling on this journey called life? How do we yield into culture to bring about the light of Jesus in every context of our world? How can we use this principle of yielding to bring the love of God to people in a humble way, in a way that is peace-loving, in a way that brings this beautiful fruit of mercy and good deeds I think if we're so content on being right and in our own lane of the world, we're not yielding. And I think sometimes we as Christians can just want to be right so bad that we drive on, you find this Christian over here driving on their own road and nobody's ever going to want to merge onto that road. We're challenged to yield with the wisdom of God. And it knows when to make space to fit and flow and influence. And it produces fruit as well. So we can always tell if we're living according to what wisdom by the fruit. So the fruit of godly wisdom is mercy. It's the fruit of good deeds. In fact, John 15, 4 through 5 says this. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if, it's, if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus said, man, you'll bear fruit, but you got to stay in me. you got to stay a hold of me. Spend time with me. Grow with me. And then you'll have fruit, mercy, no favoritism. You'll be genuine. Come on. 
this culture can read disingenuine, fake Christian from a mile away. We have to be real and sowers of peace. So we understand this difference, right? And we understand that if we're a person claiming to follow Jesus, we have a responsibility to pursue godly wisdom and its fruit. This gives us an opportunity to, to learn daily and grow daily in our relationship with Jesus so that we can reflect his character to everyone around us. That's why we love the devotional that's out there that people are given entries to. I love being able to, to read how people are growing in their relationship but make access to that so we can grow. You can have your Bible on your phone nowadays, right? right? And grow with a daily devotional. We can pray regularly. These are the things that will help us yield and make great fruit. I love to sit in our backyard on a cool night and just hang around a fire. Don't do it as much as we should because the mosquitoes chase us in. But we are victorious over them this year. Usually only get like a bite a night. But just talking life and just growing and sharing ideas and and when people see an opportunity for you to hang out and have a fellowship and you're discovering the fruit of your lives as they merge together, I don't know. There's something incredible that God can do through that. And that's what we want for you. But we have the, the chance to live a life that's marked by humility that we could call an honorable life or true life. And so our action step our action point today is live an honorable life. Pretty obvious. That's the challenge of this passage in James. It's action with humility. It's action with the flavor of Jesus. And really, we're going to hear that wisdom. We're going to get the wisdom to do that by spending time with God just the way we would spend time with somebody around a fire in the backyard. Just hanging out with him. And not just on Sundays, but consistently exposing our life to the word and it then experiencing that fruit that comes out of it. And today we're going to respond to the talk with communion. Um, what a better way to say, okay, I'm going I'm to choose godly wisdom for my life. I want this honorable life. I want true life. Then to say yes to Jesus most importantly. And if we say yes to Jesus, Jesus himself challenged us and the disciples as well, is to take time to remember the price Jesus paid on the cross with his body and his shed blood that washes and covers over our sin. When we say yes to Jesus and start growing in a relationship with him, we, we call that following Jesus here at Open Life, we're saying yes to the fact that he did give his life and he did shed his blood for us. And communion is just that symbol. We have, we have the bread, which is representative of the body. And for those of you with food sensitivities, we have regular bread and gluten-free bread today. Gluten-free people say, yeah, right? Wow, there's a lot. Okay, uh, hopefully we have enough of that cardboard. Anyway, so the, um, uh, and then we have, no, and then we have juice. And, and we, they took a cup. And Jesus took in his hand a cup and, he, and, and this bread, and he said, this is my body broken for you. Eat it in remembrance of me. And this is, he took the cup and said, this is my blood, which is spilled for you. You know, do this in remembrance of me. And so I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to give you the chance to stand up, make your way to the elements, just 
take the bread, dip it in the juice, and you can eat it there. You don't have to wait for all of us. But Lord, I thank you for the opportunity we have today to choose to follow you. Say yes to Jesus. And for some in this room that have yet to do that, before they would take communion, you challenge us. Make sure we're in right relationship with you. So God, I, I, I pray that if there are people here that have yet to invite Jesus into their life, that they would simply say, Jesus, I want to follow you as Lord and Savior. I thank you for sacrificing your body and shedding your blood for me, for my sin. And God, we thank you that because of that sacrifice, we now have access to you. We have access to this wisdom. Yeah, we can read your word for wisdom, but you literally give us your Holy Spirit to guide us as a constant guide. And I pray that, Lord, you would show us your way this week. That, God, we would live honorable lives. Lives that exemplify you so that our conduct would prove to those around us through our actions of humility that you are wonderful and people would make a decision to follow you because of our lives example. God, as we celebrate communion, we're committing to you to live according to godly wisdom. We're thanking you for the price you paid on the cross for us. Use this moment as a powerful, powerful remembrance of you in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me and as you feel comfortable, make your way to a place and receive communion as the worship team sings. And then Jaden will come and close us out. You can make your way back to your seat when you're done taking communion. Well, thanks once again for engaging with today's talk. You know, if you're listening on the Open Life Church app or through the message archive, you can fill out a connect card. Let us know that you're listening, and we would love to pray with you if you have any prayer requests. So make sure you fill that out there. Again, you, from the front page of our Open Life Church app, we have some additional resources, a daily devotional that we want you to be able to have in your hands. So click on that button, open daily, and be encouraged by other people at Open Life who are engaging with the book of James as well. Thanks again for being part of what Open Life is doing, and thanks for taking time out of your day to listen or watch here at Open Life Church.